Welcome to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, sponsored by Markel, the insurance with horse sense. Let's jump right in. Good evening, uh, all of the listeners to this podcast for We Love Arabian Horses. My name is Mario Braga, and this is Barn Talks and Arabian Horses. My guest today is George Z, George Zbichewski. In my opinion, the world's biggest authority on Polish Arabian horses. Today wow. he's gonna <laughs> it's wow. true. Hold your hold your Arabian horses right there. But okay, go ahead. I am entitled to think that. Right. Mm. Yeah, okay. you are. All right. So going on, I'm gonna be with George uh, Z my friend for decades, and I'm honored to have you here with us. So are you ready to start? Yes, I am ready. All right. So George, tell us a little bit about uh, how did you start with horses, more specifically with Arabian horses back in Poland, uh, as well as a brief overview of your background with horses. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, that was very, very long time ago, since I'm a very, very old person. Um, I was always horse crazy, uh, born and raised in a city in southern Poland named Bielsko-Biała. Uh, it's about 300,000 people. But um, anyway, I wanted to ride horses. And, and uh, there was a state farm that bred Anglo-Arabian horses very close to the city. And that's where I started. And my first Arabian that I've seen in my life was Pietuszok because he was breeding in this uh, half Arabian farm. I guess had state farm uh, because they were breeding thoroughbreds and they were crossing them with Arabians. So that was the first horse, Arabian horse that I've seen. And then um, I had uh, another uh, contact with Arabian horses when I was at the university. Uh, in Krakow, uh, very close to Krakow, is a, a state farm of Michałów. And I uh, went over there for the first time in 1972. And uh, the first horse I've seen over there was negative. And uh, so, and I was not impressed at all. Uh, you know, it, uh, it, it was great, you know. For me, it was small and, you know, nothing really appealing. But uh, 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 but later on, he became to be super famous and wonderful producer. But that was my uh, uh, second uh, contact with Arabian horses. And the third one was after I graduated um, again, I was horse crazy and I graduated in... Um, uh, animal physiology and biochemistry, but I never worked one day in my profession because I was going to work with horses. So uh, I went to work for this, again, government-owned farm, but it was a thoroughbred farm. And back then, uh, we were sending horses to the uh, racetrack at, in Warsaw, and uh, each trainer at the racetrack in Warsaw had to have Arabians and thoroughbreds. So our trainers, when I went to see our horses in Warsaw, they always had Arabian horses, either from Janów or Michałów. And uh, that's how I got um, familiar with them. 
uh, I started riding them uh, when I was visiting Michal Farm and horses that I rode was first was Alois, uh, which wasn't a very tall horse, but had a tremendous stride. And the other one was Gedimin, and Gedimin was much bigger, but it wasn't as good mover as Alois. So that was my um, experience with Arabian horses in Poland. Okay. So at a certain point in time, you moved to America. Uh, if, if I recall the story, you, you came to participate in a program uh, that many people yeah. applied for. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, you know, the, it was during the communism. So leaving Poland to any of the Western countries, especially to America, was virtually impossible. So um, I somehow qualified for the exchange program between U.S. and and Poland. I don't know who with a straight mind in U.S. would like to work in Poland for a year, but there was a lot of people they would like to work in U.S. coming from Poland. Uh, just how hard it was to get in, just I'm going to tell you some numbers. It was over 200 uh, people that applied for it, and only 14 went to the States, and one was I was one of them. And since they uh, were placing us in the kind of agriculture places, I contacted Yola and Zenon Lipovich from Scottsdale. I did not know them, but I knew of them and ask them if they would take me as the uh, you know participant of this exchange program and uh, and they said absolutely yes and i ended up in 1981 in march i arrived in Scottsdale, arizona and at sir william farm which was right next right next door, door to lasma okay yeah so uh, when you you, you... You, you came to the U.S. in 1981, and ever since, you, you have worked with some major uh, Polish-oriented uh, breeding farms of Arabian horses, such, such as uh, Meadowwood Farms. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure whether or not you did work for American Farms, I don't recall, but also Oakworth, uh, and yeah. you worked as advisor for a, a number of, of people uh, that worked with Polish horses. And later on, we'll get to the, to the part where you imported those, uh, you know, leased and imported to the US, those iconic mares. But for the time being, uh, tell us about your trajectory through these farms and, and uh, until you, you finally uh, went to Hennessy and it where, which is where you are right now. I started in uh, Sir William Farm in Scottsdale. Uh, they uh, were the offshoot of the uh, Sir William Farm from Hillsdale, New York. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rubin, um, they had the Polish horses. Um, uh, Sambor uh, belonged to them, for example. And, uh, and uh, uh, I worked over there for two years, and then I decided to stay in the, in the United States, and it wasn't very easy because of the, my immigration status. And uh, so people of the uh, name uh, Sheehan, uh, Walter and Nancy, uh, decided to hire me to run uh, their farm in Colorado. and was the mostly pure Polish farm. And they also took care of my immigration problem. And uh, 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 so I... Uh, 
from there, I worked in Colorado for four years, and then I moved to um, to uh, Washington State, to Seattle area, and I worked for um, Meadowood Farm, that was the home of Probat and Negatrash. Um, I worked there for three years. That was owned by the Nordstrom family. Then I switched and I worked for Oakwood Arabians, where it was strictly pure Polish, Mary Jo Wertheimer. Uh, and then I opened my own um, operation, uh, was basically training barn mainly for the amateurs. But in the meantime, I was the advisor for um, many partnerships that they were um, importing horses from Poland, like Pride of Poland USA, and there were several others that I don't remember the names right now. Uh, I also worked at that time uh, for Magnicles, um, uh, all together like five years, uh, for him importing horses from, Pol from Poland for him, basically leasing them. And uh, from there, I came in 2006, and I, since then, I manage Hennessy Arabians. Okay. So, um, all right. You're, you've been at Hennessy um, since 2006. So we'll go back in time and go back to Poland. And my third question is uh, to ask you to, to take us on a brief timeline of Polish Arabian uh, breeding history, uh, describing uh, how it was before the state studs, uh, you know, back in the days of the princes and the expeditions, um, and who were the horses that we still might hear about that, you know, the, the root damn lines or famous horses. And how did that became, you know, the state studs as we, we know presently uh, the three of them and Kurosvenki, uh, as well as Bialka, Mihal, and Janos. And I don't know if there ever was another state stud, I can't recall. And after that, uh, in the present time, where we are right now, how is the, uh, the present Polish breeding? How is the coexistence between private breeders and state studs uh, as of now? Okay, uh, well, you know, in order to answer this question, it probably would take me a month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, uh, but, but it, the, 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 before the Second War, uh, the Arabian horses were in, in hands of uh, private breeders. Of course, they were wealthy people, aristocracy, and, you know, Swabuta, you know, was probably one of the, the, the best, but there were several others. And they were breeding uh, Polish, uh, uh, horses that they were they brought from the uh, uh, well, the Penin they called it Peninsula. So they were uh, expeditions that were, of course were supported by the uh, you know major uh, Polish aristocracy to bring those horses to uh, Poland. And uh, you know one of the expedition in the nineteen uh, twenties was conducted by the Zientarski, uh for Sangushkos. And like I said, that was the um, main source of uh, horses coming to Poland. They were traveling to Arabia. That was the general name for, for the area. And they were bringing uh, mares and stallions. Um, I forgot the numbers, but it was quite a few. Uh, they were brought 
to uh, those main uh, farms in Poland. Well, then they came. They came uh, 1918 and the uh, uh, revolution in and Russia, and uh, uh, th- that was. Uh, but, but no, no, no. We have to add this thing out, Maria. This has to be cut out. No. So um, then came the uh, second war, and uh, and uh, 1939. And uh, um, there was aggression from uh, east part, uh, side of Poland by Bolsheviks. They um, invaded Poland um, from the uh, east when Hitler invaded Poland from the west. Uh, first um, uh, object on their agenda was to come to Janowodlaski, which is just a few miles from the border uh, with Russia, which right now is Belarus. And they robbed ninety uh, percent of the horses. Uh, some of the horses were hidden by the uh, villagers uh, in the uh, village. Some of them um, uh, escaped, uh, and then one mare that did not want to leave her stall. Her name was Nayada, and believe it or not, that was the. Uh, uh, great grandmother of Naganka, Shilavarian Foundation Mayor. She just refused mm-hmm. to go on the Russian side. So, anyway, so so that was the uh, you know so Russian invaded Poland from the east, uh, uh, came to Yanov, took a lot of uh, horses. Some of them came back, but I was doing a study for Doctor Lacroix many many years ago. Uh, uh, based on the uh, first Polish stud book. And in Tiersk, Russian, it used to be state farm in Russia, 56% of the farm, of the um, foundation mares, were from Poland. Well, the best example, famous Mamona. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so that was the horses they were, they went to Tiersk basically on foot, you know, the Mamona was uh, not even a wheeling. She was just at, at her mother's side. And they, uh, they, they traveled basically most of the distance uh, just um, on foot. So anyway, so uh, moving forward, uh, uh, after uh, the, the German uh, army came to a Polish stats, they were much brighter than uh, Russian. They kept everything, whatever was left, intact. And they even hired Polish people to run it because they realized how valuable those bloodlines are and that they did not want to do anything to jeopardize the breeding program. Uh, so Jan Podlaski basically functioned during the Second War uh, beautifully, and many, many of people that they were taking care of the horses, they were this way safe from going to the concentration camps or to work inside of Germany. And then, um, then was the whole uh, history of the Jano farm uh, when uh, Germany lost the war and Russia were coming again from the east, and uh, the, the entire uh, farm was evacuated to Germany and um, after the war, it was um, uh, back to Poland, brought back to Poland. And that's how started Janów Farm. Janów Farm 
back then was the only state, and before the second war, I mean, was the only um, state farm in Poland. The rest of the horses belonged to, like I said, uh, big farms uh, owned by aristocracy. So uh, since communism started, everything has changed and horses were uh, perceived as the uh, symbol of aristocracy. Uh, which was almost, I mean, not almost, was totally prohibited uh, in uh, New Poland. So we're talking 1945. However, somehow, uh, somebody with traces of brain realized that there is extremely uh, huge potential in the, the horses they were bred through the decades uh, if not centuries in Poland, and they were Arabian horses, and they kept um, Janów Podlaski, and they were two other farms that they were at that time were uh, also uh, state farms, Albigowa, that's the and Nowy Dwór, and uh, and later on, uh, exactly in 1953 they started uh, uh, Michał farm a little bit later on was Białka and Kurosvenki. In the meantime, Albigowa and Nowy Dwór were closed. All the horses from the farm were sent either to Janów majority uh, and to um, uh, uh, Michałów. And so for the long, long time, it was Janów, Michałów, Białka and Krosvenki. In the late 80s, when Poland uh, regained independence again, um, Krosvenki went back to their original owners before the Second War, uh, and uh, uh, those horses were either dispersed or they were purchased by the uh, owners of the farm. So we were uh, now we are with Kurosveng and with I'm sorry with Białka, Michał, Vinianów. Those three farms still exist in Poland. So, uh, but however, the thing with the trick for those horses to survive was to change the breeding program because in, we're talking 1945 and there was you know the uh, the agriculture was in a very poor shape. So. They, they meaning the breeders um, that was designated to run the farms, like Director Riavorowski, especially him, he was a huge advocate of Arabian horses. They sold to the government uh, this idea that Arabian horses can be a plow horses, so they can actually um, pull the plows and and uh, you know help um, to uh, in the uh, agricultural activities. And, uh, but of course, nobody knew, um, nobody really visited those farms uh, from the government side. And basically the, the farms, um, the, especially Janów and Michałów, they were run by wonderful breeders and um, nobody really interfered with their ideas, which was amazing, but that's what happened. Okay, so yeah, so, uh... Back from the days, I mean, ever since uh, Jaworowski and Kristalovic, uh, they, after they passed, they have been uh, replaced more recently uh, by people, by two men that worked with them, 
uh, Marek Trela in Yanov and Bialobok in Michal. Uh, so back uh, when they, they, this transition happened, were the private breeders already uh, in activity in Poland? And how was that interaction? Well, back then when the Trela and uh, Białobok, when they assumed the, their positions, they were still communism. So during the communism, uh, Polish citizens could not have anything that they own uh, privately. There was the real estate. Um, we could have cars, but uh, like, for example, an apartment in an apartment building uh, didn't belong to the uh, to you. It belonged to the government that allowed you kind of lease it from. Uh, you could not have anything that would belong to you. So there was no private breeders. There was one private breeder, uh, and I think that they let him do it. His name is Brower, uh, because they thought that he's crazy. He had. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he had a comet daughter named Murcia. She was imported to the United States later on, uh, I believe by Falcon Rich Arabians and Sheehan Arabians that I worked for um, and Bay uh, Mare. And, uh, but, you know, he had like maybe five horses and he was wearing the original costume of uh, Arabian uh, Bedouins. And, and I think that those communists, thought that he's crazy so they let the crazy uncle do his job you know and he was he was uh, actually south of warsaw um and uh so he was the only private breeder um in the post-war second war time in poland uh and then uh worked for michael farm for director Jaworowski, and that's where he learned the breeding um uh, you know, knowledge from his master. And Marek Trela worked for Janusz Podlaski, for Krzysztofowicz. When they retired, uh, Białobok and Trela assumed their positions being uh, directors of those farms. And they were uh, doing it until 2016. Uh, at this time, uh, the party... Um, called in abbreviation peace, which is, you know, how it sounds, peace. Um, you know, uh, very, very, um, not very bright and not very open-minded people uh, took power of Poland and they're still in power. In 2016, they fired Trela and Białobok and the uh, coordinator of Polish of the state farm in Poland, Anna Stojanowska. And to tell you what happened in the, the, those farms, uh, let's say that each farm, Michałów and um, Janów, since 2016, and we're in 2023, each had six directors uh, 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 taking care of the horses. And those people are not from the horse business. They're not breeders. Um, I think that Michał right now um, locked out because the president is a lady named Monika Słowik, and she is a horse person. She used to be a director of a racetrack in Wrocław. But anyway, but um, but the other place is uh, Jan Fodlaski is run by... Um, total dilettante. So uh, what was achieved by 
Biaworowski and Krzysztofowicz in those two main farms, um, it is right now being totally lost uh, because um, they let politics uh, mix with the uh, Arabian horse breeding, which is deadly. Uh, it, it's uh, indeed very, very sad to witness uh, this whole situation there. Um, somehow, even though, uh, and, you know, politics aside, uh, back uh, in Jaborowski and Kristalovic's days, somehow those horses and that that's, uh, political situation somehow assured them to be kept and those wonderful mare lines and sire lines to be preserved and properly used and worked. But anyway, uh, I've been I've been hearing you and just you know picturing th this whole movie of things in my mind, and I I wanted to to ask you to do something before I, I, we go to the next question, uh, which is really I've never done before, but it's kind of a ping pong because uh, like I ask you and you just give me a short answer because I, I think it's important for listeners to to hear some some horse names and some you know some some references from you <laughs> you know okay. there's, there's no one on earth that that knows more than you and it's just um i think it's it, it would be fun so first one is like a horse a, a one stallion and one mare from the pre-war days that you like Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, well, I think. Wow. It's very, very hard. Yes. To the, the first one that comes into your mind. Um, probably Vilki Slam. You know, and then that would be probably because he's one of the most prominent. Uh, stallions that started Kuhail Online with the Basque comes from and you know the interesting thing about Basque because it was always a dispute who bred Basque mm -hmm. and you see Basque was born in Albigova one of yeah. the farm that was uh, you know a state farm after the second war but when they sent Basque to the racetrack to Warsaw, Albigova was liquidated, was closed. And, uh -huh. uh, you know, so they sent they, the, all the papers of Basque, Basque registration papers were transferred to Janów Podlaski. So Janów Podlaski was the legal owner of Basque, but the breeder of Basque was Roman Pankiewicz, who was a director of Albigova back mm -hmm. then and then and when Basque you know uh, was sold to the United States the owner of the horse was the Janów Podlaski farm but Janów Podlaski was not a breeder of Basque but anyway but this probably um is the first and that was the Elki Schlem line right that he started this uh, uh, so that's probably the first horse that would come to mind to your mind all right so uh an iconic racehorse bred in Poland. Iconic racehorse? Yeah. Uh, probably Batyskaf, I would say. 
you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was uh, sold for 500,000 euros to um, Turks to mm-hmm. uh, because they had, a, so probably he was the, uh, you know, I'm talking about funny things, was I was, uh, I was visiting Poland one day from the United States and I, always would go to racetrack in Warsaw if I had time to watch some races. And I saw this one race and I recorded it. And then in this race, Questura was running. I'm, so, I'm sorry, not Questura. Cavalcada. Uh, Cavalcada. Cavalcada was running. I did not know that this horse is going to be U.S. national champion later on, right? She was yes. five years old, four years old. So I mm-hmm. recorded this race. I think she was either second or fourth. I don't remember. I still have it. And, uh, and you know, and then years and years later, when she was imported by Dan Roman Arabians to the United States, mm-hmm. yeah, I contacted Audrey Fisher and I said, you know, I have a video of your mare. Uh, she was already national champion in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. when, she was, and, uh, when she was running in the Polish race track. And I sent yeah. it to her, got the huge thank you note, and you know, but I thought it was very funny. Yes, on that note, you'll be glad to know that despite the fact that I asked for this video that you have for like 10 years and you never sent it over to me. Oh. Whoopsie. <laughs> I was able, Whoopsie. <laughs> I was I, able I... To, to, to digitalize it and I have it. So I just wanted oh, to okay. add that. I fell in love with Cavalcada watching that, that video that, if I'm not mistaken, you recorded in 89. It's the most yeah, educational yeah, video. Yeah, it was 89. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, a few years ago, a lady here in Florida called me and she is running like a retirement farm for horses. And she called me. Uh, she was referred to me by my vet. And she said, well, you deal with Arabian horses. I have three Arabian horses from New York and uh, I have trouble with um, keeping them in shape. And, you know, if you could come and tell me if I'm doing something wrong or not. And I said, where from, where in New York uh, those horses come from? And well, making long story short, one of them was Cavalcada. She was 30 some years old and I saw her two weeks before she died. So it was a full circle. Full circle, yeah. yes. I mean, yeah. because because of that, the video, uh, I saw Cavalcada and Emigrantka for the first time. And two years later, I've, I had the, uh, the privilege of going to Poland with my father. And it was snowy, it was January. And uh, Mr. Jaworowski told me that I, I had the right to choose two horses to see outside. And I asked for Cavalcada and Emigrantka. So Cavalcada <laughs> was national champion and Emigrantka became world champion mayor. But that was because of your video that I chose there. So, so you see. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Anyway, so, okay. Uh, so let's stop. Let's stop the ping pong because we have two more questions to go. <laughs> the first yeah. question that I'd like to ask you is that... Um, Polish horses have been appreciated and admired in, in the U.S. for a number of years, uh, for a long, long time. Um, and I think that throughout the years, there were like different, what I, I called like waves of imports. I don't know yeah. if the first one was 
you know, with uh, with his two and the horses from the remount that were rescued from the Germans. I don't know if there was any, you know, major imports before, but after that, uh, you know, you had uh, Patricia Lindsay buying those wonderful mares for Sheila Varian, uh, not to mention the Lacroix family and all the amazing things and horses that they imported. Um, Nabor that came uh, with Anne McCormick and so many others. Uh, uh, and the epitome of all of that uh, was, you know, the mayors uh, and Stalins that you, you personally chose and negotiated to come under lease to, to the US, uh, including Questura, Emondoria, Pianissima, all of them national champion mares, Azagrobla as well, and Emanor, U.S. national champion stallion. So uh, from, from those imports, um, what, 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 you know, are there stories or any impressions, particular impressions that you have uh, regarding some of those horses or uh, the overall impact and change that these horses might have uh, done in overall Arabian horse uh, breeding and the look of the horses or their ability to perform in the U.S.? Well, you know, the, the, you're right. There were, there were waves of uh, Polish um, uh, imports to the uh, States. And, and uh, I think that the biggest uh, advocate of Polish horses was Patricia Lindsay. You know, I had that chance to meet her and she even learned Polish, uh, which is not an easy language to learn. And uh, and she was the first one that went behind the Iron Curtain to Poland and she realized that those horses are magnificent. If you think about it, what was so magnificent about those horses was the fact that for many, many years, uh, after the uh, Second War, Poland could not bring any of the outside blood uh, to the breeding. It, we were isolated, right? We could not go to France or to England or wherever and buy a new stallion, right? It was prohibited. You know, Arabian horses just were hanging on a, on a little thread, you know, and they're happy that they can exist. So... When she came to Poland and she leased Banat to the UK where, when, where he became a national champion of England, she started spreading a word around Arabian horses because, again, there was no advertising at all. Nobody knew about Polish horses uh, from the Western side of the world. And, you know, and, and so, but what is interesting for me that it took really a genius breeders to operate within very close gene pool and create such a fantastic individuals. And I think that that was so attractive for the people, for the breeders from other countries, that how Poland not being able to bring um, new blood to their breeding program could create such a good uh, horses. And this is, you know, only because people they were breeding it, they were horse people and they were fantastic. They were artists. 
and in my opinion, geniuses. So anyway, so that, you know, again, so Patricia Lindsay, she picked three mayors for Shilavarian, um, Nagan Kabahantka and uh, uh, who was the third one? My God. Ostroga. Uh, Ostroga. So she was the one and uh, to pick the, the mares for them, uh, Sheila and her mother had never seen those horses until they came to California after trip on the ship to New York and then on the van to California. So, but LaCroix family, they were also inspired, uh, Dr. LaCroix, by the uh, uh, Patricia Lindsay, and they start going to Poland, and everything after this is uh, history. Patterson Arabians from Oregon, huge Polish breeders, huge, uh, uh, super knowledgeable people about uh, Polish Arabians. That's where uh, Negatrash was born, and uh, uh, Monogram was born at their place. Um, is not in existence anymore, but yes, but so those, those horses in like the seventies and eighties, uh, they were like coming to the United States mainly because uh, they were uh, Polish sale uh, in the in the Anufodlaski uh, once a year, and people were going over there and buying uh, horses they were bringing here to the states. Uh, so that was like, but the last horse that was of any significance in the show ring in the United States that came directly from Poland was Cavalcada. Uh, when she was national champion mayor in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there was the last Polish horse that won uh, a U.S. national title before Emanuel. The next one was Emanuel. And the manor was in 2000 and 1099. Uh, he was the national champion. And I mm -hmm. don't remember when Cavalcada was, but I think it was good over 10 years gap in between. Um, uh, and then everything has changed since then. And in Poland and, and uh, uh, Lazma in the United States was not in existence anymore. Um, Patterson's not in existence anymore. The big Polish breeding uh, breeders in the 90s, in the late 80s, basically disappeared. So here I was. Uh, about Emanor is a very, very funny story. Uh, I was going to Poland to visit my late mother uh, every year, maybe two or three times a year. And it was um, December. Uh, the 31st, and I was driving from Warsaw, uh, and my mother lived in southern Poland, which back then it was like five hours drive um, from Warsaw. On the way from Warsaw to my mother's apartment, uh, it, was, it was like maybe 20 minutes detour, and I could go to Michal's. So I called them, called Jaworowski and Białobogs, and I said, hey guys, I'm going to come on my way to Poland, I mean, to my mother's, and I'm going to just say hello and, you know, big hugs for New Year's, best w wishes and stuff. And um, and my I called also my mother and I said, well, I'm going to stop in Michal. And she said, you invited guests for the party on the 31st. If you are late, 
you can go back to the United States because I, I'm not going to entertain your guests. I said, no, I'll be on time. No problem. And but there was a traffic on the way down from Warsaw and I came to Michal and it was almost dark. And uh, and I said, guys, I I just wanted to say hello and and just go. I'm not I don't have time for tea or anything. Uh, I'm just going to go. And Yavorovsky said, well, we kept our grooms after hours because we would like to show you a few horses. And, uh, uh, you know, who was so disappointed. And, you know, and I said, okay, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to stay and I'm going to see the horses that you would like to show me. So anyway, so the, the first horse that came out of the barn was a manor. And this horse was trotting like he was ahead of his time with his movement. And I just, felt like I'm weak at my knees. And and they showed me many other horses. And of course, I was late for the New Year's party and my mother was absolutely unhappy and she was very vocal about it. But anyway, that was my first time when I saw a manor and I came back to the States and I could not find anybody who would lease this horse. And uh, mm-hmm. I had the friends and the clients, uh, Myla and Ron Hart from California, and I flew over there and I had one picture and maybe 30 seconds of video footage of Emmanuel. Um, and, uh, oh, I forgot to, t- to, to mention that the following um, year, when after I saw him in the New Year's Eve, I was judging Polish nationals. And uh, because of um, me judging, he was a, a, a Polish national champion. Uh, it was the only horse in the Polish history that got 24 legs, but they were super correct. But anyway, so um, uh, so after judging Polish nationals, I came to the States and I was trying to find somebody to lease him uh, because I thought that this horse could close the gap, be, be a growing gap between halter horses and performance horses. And sure. um, yeah, and I couldn't find anybody, but I flew to uh, California and I talked to Ron Myla, showing him this one poor vi- video and one picture. And they said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll lease him. That was at night when we had a lot of wine. And next day in the morning, they changed their mind. They said, well, we are, you know, we are moving right now. We're really not in a position to go to uh, and lease a stallion and, and promote and stuff. So I was, oh my God, I, I don't have anybody else, but I didn't say anything and we went to lunch. And at lunch, um, Myla Hart looked at her husband and said, come on, Ron, you know, I mean, look at George, he's devastated. Could we do it for him? And Ron said, why not? And I got up and I said, guys, thank you so much. I have to go to the airport uh, to catch my flight back to Seattle. And they said, well, we thought, that your flight is like in four hours. And it was, but I was so afraid they're going to change their mind again that I wanted to leave. And I spent four hours sitting at the airport in Santa Barbara before I came. And then next time they hear, they heard from me was when he, Emmanuel was on the plane. So, uh, yeah, so there was, uh, and then, you know, since he was a U.S. national champion, that generated a lot of people they were interested to do the same thing. One of them were was Mike Nichols, and uh, I started uh, bringing um, horses, uh, leasing horses from Poland. And if I 
recall correctly, from those courses, seven uh, became uh, U.S. national champions. Um, um, yeah, so that's how it started. And it was a wonderful comeback of the Polish horses on the uh, U.S. Um, arenas again. Yeah, uh, it was, I, I think that that allowed some people that perhaps were not as familiar with Polish horses because of the gap you so uh, rightfully uh, mentioned, uh, to, to be in touch with them again uh, with yet uh, some sort of a new twist because by that time after Emanor and you know, after this gap, there were some new blood being infused. So mo monogram was used as an outcross and then Gazal. So, but, but it brought uh, Poland back to, you know, to, to evidence, which was great. So um, the last thing I'd like to ask you, George, is that, you know, you, you've never uh, lost a touch of, you know, Poland and Polish Arabian horse breeding. Uh, and even though the situation in Poland has changed a lot, I, I, I personally think that within your breeding philosophies and you know, the breeding program that you manage at Hennessy, there's a lot of Poland in it. Not, not only the preservation of some, you know, bloodlines that you consider special that I would like you to mention, but also within the philosophy itself of, you know, uh, what do you expect when you breed a horse? And that's how I would like us to, to close this interview. It's like, uh, having you shared a little of your philosophies of, uh, you know, breeding horses. And uh, after that, I would like you to talk a little bit about your career as a judge. Um, you have judged everywhere, the biggest shows in the world. And I'm sure some horses and some breeding programs and some events have touched you. Um, well, we, we won't be able to to cover a lot, but, you know, just uh, talk to, you know, share with us some of the horse shows that you liked to, you, to judge and to, to close the interview, uh, your thoughts about the future of the breed. How do you foresee uh, the future of our industry and the breeding of Arabian horses? Uh, itself well you know it's like because of the situation in the world and the, you know everything is global right now that has very huge impact on Arabian breed let's talk about Polish breeding for a second is like when Poland uh, gained uh, independence in 1989 the uh they were new opportunities to bring uh, new blood to Polish breeding. So we would have to ask ourselves a question, what is pure Polish, what is not pure Polish? Because, uh, you know, the first horse that, well, the first horse that came to Poland other than the Polish uh, stallions was uh, Tallinn from, but it was from Soviet Union. So that was the first outside blood uh, that was introduced 
to a Polish breeding to Michał Farm, Director Jaworowski was crazy about Bayraktar line, uh, sire line, and um, we kind of lost it in Poland. Gedemin was one of the representative of this uh, sire line, but Tallinn was basically what Director Jaworowski thought was superb. And this horse came and his claim to fame was that he produced Wojciech and the Wojciech produced Emanuel. Uh, he left Tallinn, uh, left few uh, mares, broodmares in Poland, so was Wojciech. This line has a straggly, struggles to continue, uh, you know, to go through. But by Rector line, uh, according to Director Jaworowski, was the line that through the generations very strongly passes on the size, good size, and the length of the neck. That's why he was extremely big uh fan of the Bayraktar line. But anyway, I digress. But, but you know, so when the Poland um, uh, gained the independence, uh, that the, the borders opened. And then, you know, the first horse they came, that came after the, of any significance was Monogram. Then was Gazalo Shakap. So uh, then QR Mark. So, uh, so again, everything is global. And uh, uh, I think that right now, what we can do is preserve some of the Polish line. And that's what I was, am trying to do at Hennessy Arabians. Uh, but um, again, if you want to win at the, uh, um, the show arenas, uh, we have to be open-minded. So um, for example, we, imported from Poland um, for eucalyptus daughters. And one yes. of them of the name Algeria, Al I'm sorry, uh, Allegoria, eucalyptus daughter. Uh, you know, this one was our, like a superstar foundation mare. It was, uh, you know, our Bawaika, if you want to, you know, say it or our yeah. emigrantka. You know, she uh, produced with every, basically every stallion we bred her. We still have three of her daughters, but we also imported some horses from Brazil, and uh, and we're using stallions. What I like to do is to protect the uh, confirmation, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, not to compromise confirmation and. Uh, what I call form to function, so ability to perform because of the head or uh, because of the well, widely um, uh, understood um, word type. Uh, so uh, did I succeed? I think, uh, I think yes, uh, because uh, we show a lot at the region 12, which is the biggest region at the... Uh, U.S. and five times we were um, uh, named um, as a breeder of distinction, which which means that horses bred by us won the most at the uh, Region 12. So uh, and this both in halter and performance. But you know, but I think you ask about the breeding philosophy. I think that first of all, if you want to be a breeder, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. It's not that this horse is cute or this horse is, you know, super nice personality. You know, it has to be uh, uh, 
confirmation uh, evaluation that is 100% honest. And then I look at the pedigree and I kind of try to figure out which of the characteristics of the physical characteristics are backed up by um, uh, the uh, uh, pedigree. So for example, I look at the horse that has a very long neck. I look in this horse's pedigree, how many of his parents, grandparents and great grandparents um, were horses that they had long necks and they produced long necks. So if I decide that this horse has this genetically in his genes, then I don't worry about this characteristics, trying to find a match for this mare, because I assume that she's got it already. And so if you evaluate um, one thing after another this way, clearly you come to the characteristics that you have to see in the stallion that uh, you won't breed this mare to. Now, sometimes there's three or four of those stallions. So I, um, I you know, again, uh, go and see uh, if I can see a, a progeny, of course, but, you know, but uh, go and see the stallion and then go and work and think about the pedigree again. And it's a long process, but I love it. And, uh, and it helps a lot that I judge, right? Because I see horses all over the world. And then, and then, you know, and then we pick the one. I shared this with Frank Hennessy and, and, you know, sometimes it's just intuition. You have three stallions, you pick one and they are sort of equal as far as your, you know, um, uh, uh, homework goes. And, and then, you know, after 11 months, if you have to breed, you sit in this falling stall and this baby is born and you either say, oh my God, did I made a mistake? Did I make a mistake? <laughs> or, or you see, well, I'm not that dumb, you know, it's just, it's, yeah. it, it, it's, it's good. It's really good. So I love it because it's just like a puzzle that you play with. And, but yeah, and, and I, as I said, and I learned it from mainly from Yavorowski, he was extremely strict about, uh, you know, the breeding things. You know, one time he showed me a horse and this horse name was Falsificat. And it was a gray, and he was from Bayraktar line. And that was when Bayraktar line was disappearing in Poland. And the, it was a gelding. And, you know, and I look at this course and I look at him and I said, and you are using this in the breeding program? And he said, yes, because, you know, this, this, and this in the pedigree. In this case, he was wrong. I was right. This horse was not good. But anyway, but sometimes even the biggest, the, the, the best make mistakes. But anyway, but that how I go about the breeding program. But the first and foremost is honesty. You have to be super honest with yourself. And I think 90% of the breeders are barn blind. You know, they come and they criticize other people, but they cannot evaluate their own horses. So, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So, and I think that if we follow, uh, <clears throat> honesty in the breeding and honesty in evaluating horses, the future is bright for the Arabian breed. But, you know, but we cannot help that everything is global and there will be, there is a mix of the blood. The, the whole world is 
one right now. So it's not Polish, not Spanish, not Russian. It's an Arabian. Oh, and Georgia. then you ask about the judging thing. Yeah, I love to judge, but you know, I, I, I mainly love when it's a good class, you know, really deep class. So, you know, Aachen is sure fun to judge, you know, and, and then Paris is, but Aachen is probably my favorite show. And, uh, and then, um, anyway, but, um, yeah, but uh, uh, the U.S. is is good still. Scotland is good. Uh, Breeders' finals are good in in the U.S. But um, outside of the U.S., I uh, I think Aachen is probably my my um, very most favorite. favorite show. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much, Mario. Okay, George. Uh, once again, thank you for for your time. I know how busy you are. I would like to thank all the listeners to that took the time to to be with us during this interview, and I hope to see you again on our next podcast. Okay, bye. This is Austin, director of the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure that you click subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Comments, questions, guest ideas, feel free to send me an email at austin at welovearabianhorses.com or just use the contact us button on our website at weloveArabianhorses.com. Thanks for listening.